Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Tukey's Take Podcast. Still without an intro. That's okay. Who needs an intro? Intros are overrated. We are back again. It's us, the guys, the fellas, as a wise man once said, (laughs) returning from his time away. Mr. Sin for the win is back on the show. He made it. He trekked California and came out alive on the other side. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, my God. And again, you missed the biggest news week of the season so far in terms of 17,000 firings. But, uh, hey, we at least still have a decent amount to talk about today. Endo, of course, is here as well, currently stuffing his face with pizza. Okay, I have a story behind that. My mom, um, my parents have, um, they run a business uh, because they're nice people. And they do landscaping and all that and construction. So they had an office party. And my mom calls me, I think, at like 8 o'clock last night. She says, hey, do you want pizza? And I'm like, who's going to turn down free pizza? Then she shows up with like a party-sized pizza, which is like, great, perfect. Then she opens it up, and then there's like three pizzas, three party-sized pizzas all in that box. It was like cheese, meat lovers, vegetarian, which I'm not going to eat because reasons. And, um, and then... She shows me a bunch of cookies and all this stuff. Like it was ridiculous. It was like when I was like, and I had to carry like all of it up the stairs at once. So I had like a like a like a box full of like three party sized pizzas, like a giant one, like a Pizza Nova kind of box. Or anyone who knows Pizza Nova is in Canada, uh, just just massive, huge, humongous, if you will. And similar to I what have, you are going to be by the time you're finished eating all of that pizza. Yeah, uh, they made a joke and they were like, oh, you can just put it in the freezer and like save it for later. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm just going to eat this all in like one shot. Yeah. I'm starving. <laughs> pizza in the, Would pizza in the freezer work? I okay, mean. Okay, so, here, so hear me out. My, my mom's suggestion was to put it in a Ziploc bag and then like have it in there so you can pull it out any time. And I told my mom, I was like, We're, we don't live in the 40s. I, I don't have to like scavenge food like that. I can cut. I can you don't freeze make, food. I do freeze food, but I'm not going to oh. freeze pizza like at least that much pizza what i'll do is i'll I'll like cut it down and use it for other things like use it for excuse me croutons or salad uh stuff like that you know get creative with it endo's pizza story yeah we have a lot to talk about (laughs) on today's show before we do that though of course as always i have to mention that this podcast is brought to you by our friends at manscaped it is not too late to order that special something for a special someone. Manscaped.com, the place for everything related to your male grooming needs. Again, whether it's taking care of the head on your head or getting rid of it, the same thing basically anywhere else on your body. Manscaped is the place for you. Again, it is not too late to get those orders in and get things showing up on your doorstep before Christmas, which is <clears throat> 12 days away. <laughs> oh, fuck. What the hell is this year? It's absolutely ridiculous, but you can use code Tugi at checkout for 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping as well. On the site right now, there is a 20% off holiday sale site-wide, free shipping on everything there as well. Don't know if the codes are combinable. Uh, actually, those uh, those sales, that sale ends in about nine hours, so you're going to want to make sure if you're listening on the audio portion of this podcast, take advantage of that if you're on the video side and I don't get it uploaded on Monday. Well, damn, you missed out. But code Tugi, 20% off, free worldwide shipping. Same deal, still available beyond this little 
bits. So again, whatever you need, Manscaped has the right tools for the job. And we thank them for sticking with us here on this show. And with that, boys, with Sin being back, what better time to get back into some viewer questions. And we'll start off with a bit of a holiday theme here. This one comes from Hawks. Boys, what do you want for Christmas? Endo, what do you want for Christmas? If there was one thing you could get, realistic or otherwise? Uh, you're going to say realistic. I was going to say um, a new graphics card at this point. because the That's unrealistic. Is out of his mind. Yeah, it's <laughs> unrealistic. It's unrealistic. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, like, that's a good answer. Like, that's a good answer. It's what I've been looking for uh, for a while. Uh, I've been trying to scavenge and everything. Um. What do I want for Christmas? Uh, my two front teeth. Uh, no. What I want for Christmas is... Um, damn. I'll let I'm you come back. I think yeah. you had a good answer with the graphics card. We'll leave it at that if you have nothing else to go with. Sin, what do you want for Christmas? Red Ryder BB gun. Shoot your eye out. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> man, I just want to combine every single gift. I, just, I need an electric drum set. I, hey. Uh, yeah, I've been a drummer since I was 12, and I can't really play in a one-bedroom apartment. Ever since COVID, I haven't been able to uh, keep up uh, renting out a practice spot with some other people because, well, you know, mm. most people weren't renting. So, yeah, I've just been like, my drums are just like, they're untouched. I need an electric set. Yes, I need to play drums. It is my soul. Fair enough. I remember my uh, my my oldest sister's ex-husband was a drummer, and I tried. I tried to get into it, but... Just ain't got the rhythm. <laughs> now I date a music teacher. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, she's a music teacher. Nice. Yeah, I can't play. I can't play an instrument to save my goddamn life. But uh, God bless her. She's trying to help me learn. Uh, that said, when it comes to Christmas gifts for me, man, I am. And she could tell you, I am impossible to buy for because I am the type of person where it's like, oh, I want something. I'm not waiting until December. Like, oh, yeah, I want to get this old Xbox 360 game I used to have as a kid. I'm just going to go buy it. Yeah. Oh, I want this jersey. I'm just going to go buy it. So for me, uh, <laughs> trying to, I'm trying to think. Like, I just, honestly, she got me like a package of beef jerky as a stocking stuffer last year. Just give me some more jerky. I'm good. Just more jerky. Just give me some Dude, more jerky. I'm amazing. not going to name any brands, but there is a specific brand that's delicious, and they should sponsor this show, and I'll hit them up on <laughs> via email or social media. But, oh yeah, I, I'm i just impossible to buy for. Like, legitimately, I, I am very much at that, not necessarily dad stage, but I've almost been there for a while where it's like I get more joy out of Christmas giving gifts to other people than I get mm. out of getting gifts myself. So, yeah. But God, I, I I do miss the days of fucking waking up and getting like a play mobile castle Ugh. and freaking out. Oh, <laughs> dude! I used oh to so here. Okay, so here we go. Putting that shit together. <laughs> favorite Christmas gift you've ever mm. gotten, or favorite Christmas memory? I will go with mine first. And there was one year that my parents, uh, my dad had a very very good year. He he grew up as a, you know, a painter, contractor, all that stuff. Uh, he had a really good year one year. So. Uh, my one of my older sisters, she got the OG PlayStation oh with my God. driver, which nice. Oof, that was a fun time. I got the uh, one of those Game Boy colors. It was like the purplish clear one with Pokemon like Yellow, which I still have both of those things. Uh, 
It was just a beautiful Christmas. It was like the ideal kids' Christmas where you got like everything you wanted. The tree was stacked. It was, mm-hmm. it was awesome. So I, I agree. I, I do miss that feeling because Christmas almost doesn't feel the same way once you get past that feeling of like, oh my god, the excitement as a kid for having a bigger Christmas. But yeah, no, I, I'd go with that. Yeah. Either, either uh, one of you have that very notable Christmas memory. Yeah, there's there's a few of them. I think you know one of them obviously when I was like twelve when I got my first drum set. That one is that's mm. massive. Like that's just huge. But for the in the presence of before, you know that the, the gifts come from parents when you're still a believer in Santa and whatnot. It's got to be around. If oh man, there's actually there's actually three. I, I'll go. All right, my drum set's one. The other mm-hmm. one was like a year I got like when I was super into play mobile. And I don't know if you guys are know what Playmobil yeah. was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh my god, I got, motherfuckers. Yeah, I got the yeah. massive like castle, like this oh, huge my fucking god. castle that I could spend hours putting together. And oh my god, they can the one like, shit. The medieval one, right? Yes, the one that like what every like middle not a middle school, what every preschool had, but like you had it like your own. Um, I know, like I know, a bunch of my preschools had like had a bunch of them. I can pull. I can. That might have been the right little now. tykes one that didn't. It's this one you had to actually p- put together. I doubt they'd have that at preschool. One you had to like put together. But basically, yeah, it was this massive castle that took me like three hours to put together with my mom and with my mom who had to help me at some points because I was the type to get frustrated when I didn't understand something. Oh, I still am. That's weird. Um, <laughs> and then I think the the last biggest memory is when I first got into Warhammer around like 15 16 and like my entire christmas at like my parents house and then also at the cousin christmas thing i just like exclusively got warhammer shit like i got the starter set a bunch more like to fill out my empire army and then i got the fortress it was just goddamn and that's i still have everything besides that fortress because it broke Hmm. but uh yeah i still have uh all that shit and it's i still use it to this day Endo for you. Anything stand out? Um, there's a lot. Uh, my uh, my keep uncle. Keep it brief. We got a lot of stuff of, to talk about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'll keep. I'll keep it very brief. It's either when my my uncle got me a GameCube or it was my when I got a PSP. It, no, you know what? It was a PSP because that got me into hockey games and it got me into hockey because he gave me a copy of Gretzky NHL for the PSP and it was the greatest. I played that game till like the, the, this just scratched completely. It was like ridiculous. Greatest game. Awesome. I still remember. Uh, I'll, I'll cut it short, but uh, I did get a PSP, but it wasn't for Christmas. I won it out of an arcade machine outside of a Walmart. Oh wow! Yeah. You're the one guy. The one guy <laughs> everyone knows I was who won the one guy who actually won one of those fucking, machines. So I, it I was, was a laser pointer. That's so it. it was the game where the blocks go left and right. And stacker. you have to stop. Oh my and god! Then left and right, and you stack all the way to the top. And I fucking you won did it. stacker. I did. No one wins stacker. I what swear the hell? on my grandfather's grave, and I wouldn't lie about it because it's legitimately one of my favorite accomplishments. That is amazing. That's hilarious. I won a rigged game, and by that I mean I lucked into winning a rigged game. <laughs> oh my god! On the question two. <laughs> Like 15 minutes into the show. Uh, okay. This one comes from Alive, and Sin kind of set it up well with the Christmas story reference earlier. He asked, what Christmas movie is overrated, in your opinion? Oh do either God. of you have a clear-cut answer? Because I do. I do. I think that's the one. 
Uh, we watch it Christmas when story? I was growing up. We watched the Christmas movie, yeah, yeah. Christmas Story. Um, because every time, every year, we watch it on New Year's, on the, on New Year's, on Christmas Eve, and Christmas Day. I started out with Paulina. She's like, "This is stupid. Like, why am I watching this?" And then, like, right when we got to the part, was like, "I can't put my eyes down." <laughs> She's just on the bed, cr- like, cry laughing because yeah. how stupid it is. Oh man! So I That's think for me, I I don't have the Christmas Story in that overrated category for the same reason that you just mentioned. Like, there are some moments I can laugh at it. There is one Christmas movie for me that I just, it, it just does nothing for me. And this is going to piss some people off because it's a lot of people's favorite, as I understand. Polar Express. It does nothing for oh me. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. It's a good some book. Fucking, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Polar, fuck Polar Express. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, so Just that the one... one nerdy kid when the and the fucking on the on the tree. The animation style's weird as hell too. It just it does nothing for me. It, it, I'm know, sorry, that, it just doesn't. The animation there was like ahead of its time. I think uh, the last time I saw that like style being used mm. uh, effectively was Tintin. When Tintin when the Tintin movie came out, that was great. But like for the, for that, it just looked really like devilish. And I remember there was like um, I was watching uh, a YouTuber. Uh, talk about like that movie mm-hmm. and he said like the moment when like the the one of the, the little black girl gets scared and looks at the camera like apparently people were running out of the theater because of how scary it was because like the the, the mocap just like broke in a mm. weird way so did they use like <laughs> the same system that like la noir used for facial capture except la yeah. noir was made like four or five years afterwards so it was a little bit more advanced yeah, it was uh, full mocap, full suit. It was like the first movie to have that fully rigged up in that certain way. Mm. And again, I think the tech was was ahead of its time, but just the execution there was not really that great. I mean, even in L.A. Noir, it was all right, but it just like you could like, oh, you'll see like little microaggressions when they lie. And <gasps> well, then you no. have guys like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, the faces in L.A. Noir are the best. <laughs> Because you have a guy, and this is only going to come over for the video portion of the podcast. Subscribe to that channel, by the way. Uh, where this old man in particular would just be like, I know nothing about what you're saying. And then he goes. <laughs> it's incredible. So, oh, God. Oh, okay. Okay, wait. There, there we go. We're good. Yeah, yeah. Send you have a response for overrated Christmas movie. Dude, I don't know. I have some underrated <laughs> ones, but overrated, like, I don't know. I just don't watch them if they're not good. Okay, so what's your know. underrated it, Christmas movie? I would say one of the most underrated ones is, um, I don't just, I just don't hear it talked about, talked about enough, is the Santa Claus. Hmm. There. With Tim Allen. He's fucking hilarious <laughs> in that. <laughs> and then you realize, okay, you're actually really good at being a dick because you maybe kind of are a dick. But I think that's a severely underrated Christmas movie. Was he really acting that? I don't disagree. Yeah, that's the thing. I <clears throat> yeah, it's his sarcasm level in that, like the whole thing. It's hilarious. It's the it's it holds up. I laughed at it as a kid. I laugh more at it now because I understand more references and stuff like that. And like, hmm. yeah. it was just the the cast was phenomenal. Like the character Neil, that dude from fucking Fast Times Ridgemont High, when it's terrible mm. sweaters constantly like holy <laughs> shit like everything about it every it's 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 just a near in my opinion almost a near perfect christmas movie i think my favorite like bit not from the show but like making fun of it was um reference to game grounds we we're talking about it's like oh you killed santa <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that's the problem. Because oh. I can only <laughs> just Tim Allen. I can only see Tim Allen as Tim the Tool Man. Mm-hmm. Like, so I just view the Santa Claus as a home improvement special. <laughs> oh, dude, it yeah, makes it I so get much it. better. <laughs> uh, God, <laughs> I love how this podcast is just Endo cracking himself up half the time. <laughs> it's, it's been a great evolution. And no great. one else. Uh, no, you guys no. talk hockey. I talk. I talk. To make myself laugh, it's great. Fair enough. Uh, we'll we'll try to make the transition from Christmas movie to sports. And what's the perfect way to transition? Alcohol. Uh, Ender. What? I wrote Endo, but Ender asks, uh, <laughs> favorite alcoholic beverage. All right. Oh, uh, now here's the thing. There's there's some elephants in the room here. Uh, <laughs> I was like, when I read this question, we'll, we'll, keep, so we'll keep it simple in saying that neither uh, Sin and I are big drinkers at this stage in our lives. So this is basically an Endo question. All right. Endo, as someone who has been seen drinking Coors Light on this podcast, <laughs> what's your favorite alcoholic beverage? Uh, we Bud can't White. actually take his opinion because he drank Coors Light. Budweiser. Bam. My only reason why it is as a completely other brand. Only he and Brock Lesnar, but it's because Bud Light won't pay him nothing. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so I drink Coors because it's like, I just, it's like the the number one hockey beer, at least so here smart. in Toronto. It's so, excuse me, you just okay? burp. Yeah, I just burp. <laughs> this um, is a great podcast. Bill came up, uh, great. Bill was coming for me with the, with the, give me a good burp. Um, Yeah, so. Hawk, like in terms of like having beer in the fridge, I will just constantly get like Coors Light from games. If I actually want to like enjoy like a drink, I'll have like a like a whiskey. I think it's like not whiskey, not whiskey sour. Oh, I, I did shots of those. That was disgusting. Uh, it's called a sour key. So it's like vodka, um, some sort of lemonade, and then like well over here at a there's a there's a bar nearby uh, called El Furniture, and they have this warehouse special where they include that like the sour key drink. With like a sour key in it and then they grab like a corona bottle and they flip that inside the bottle itself inside like the, the glass itself and you're basically on like an internal timer that fit it to drink as pos- as fast as possible and it's it's it sounds like binge drinking but i, I promise you it's not <laughs> if it sounds like binge yeah. drinking let, let me, it's probably binge drinking <laughs> An, an alcoholic who's now sober for six years, Endo. Let me let me inform Congrats. you on something. If you have to rationalize it, <laughs> beware. All right, just saying, just saying. If you if you find yourself making excuses and justifications, <laughs> this podcast might turn into my AA. Um, I'll talk. I'll talk about my favorite alcoholic beverages when I did drink. I had, there was a lot of them at that some at one point. I was just drinking whatever the fuck you had. But one of my favorite, and I still, and I. I, it was I was almost a hustler at the bar. It was Irish car bombs, Ooh. and um, if you're not aware what an Irish car bomb is, it's a shot of basically Bailey's and uh, Jameson, and then you dunk it in a pint. Um, maybe it's I don't. Is it a pint? I don't know. Fucking glass of Guinness, and then yeah. you shoot, drop it, shoot it, and drink it as fast as possible. Now what I do is I bet people a drink at the bar that I could finish it before they can. And I learned incredible chugging techniques, and I would finish like that. I'd had I'd get molt, like two free drinks a night, and so uh, yeah, just getting uh, you know, saving myself some money as I spent too much money on alcohol, and that was that that was that was my thing. Yeah. I was gonna say surprised I remember, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> oh.
that was that was my problem. I, I I found the perfect balance. I always knew just how drunk to get to not get myself into trouble, and that was that was my issue. Because then I was I, I was indestructible, right? <laughs> oh God, I don't have a response to that. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> Like, did you like combo it up where like you get the two free drinks and then you're like, you bet those drinks on top of that. So like, stacks. oh, no, I'd usually okay. like I just I would start off the night with an Irish car bomb or two. Okay. But then I'd like settle into like either Honey Jack on the rocks or like a Jack and Coke or rum and Coke. I was very much a dark alcohol enjoyer. So Jack Daniels, yeah. whiskeys, bourbons, rum, especially it felt like a pirate. There's this one rum that Captain Morgan made that was called like tattoo or something like that. It was very like, dark and it was so good. You could I could drink it straight. It was great. Yeah, I drank. I think was it. Or it's just so fucking slosh that I couldn't taste at that point. But you know. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> Tomas, what's your question? <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to the two quick hockey questions before getting to a couple of general topics, and then our day by day. This one comes from Tomas. What random prospect from each of your respective favorite uh, teams? Well, it says favorite and least favorite teams. Are you rooting for to make it, and why? So I guess a prospect on your team and a prospect on your most hated team that you'd like to see make it. I might have to do a tad bit of research for this one because when I first read it, I thought it I thought the question was essentially like what was your favorite like random prospect on your favorite team mm-hmm. once upon a time? And my answer would have been someone like Jonathan Gerard. Uh, because why not? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, pr- God, a prospect. Okay, so we'll start off on our favorite teams. Sin, your favorite Sharks prospect is essentially the question. Oh, man. That's kind- tough. That's a really tough call because there's I'm rooting for all of them technically, but I got to say one of my favorite is probably... Uh, it's probably got to be Knyazev. And mm. uh, he's which just, he's played a decent amount, right? Um, he's I don't, I don't well, he played a bit in preseason. He's maybe played a game or two at NHL. I think you're thinking of Kanijov, who played last year ah, uh, for yep, a good amount, but has been injured. But yeah, Kanyazev has not really played a whole lot. He's just I I just love him. Yeah, I love him like I I love Mario Ferraro in the fact that he can play a very complete game. Um, he's better. He got more upside offensively. I was just watching him in preseason, just the way he would like take control of the game at certain times and jump up into the play at the right times. And yeah, and it's usually I'm always rooting for, you know, a defenseman or something like that in that regard. Uh, but yeah, I, I really, I really, I really have high, high hopes for him that he could crack the roster. I, I think he could be a middle pairing type guy and just be very, very solid. So yeah, I'm rooting for him. Definitely. Endo, your favorite Leafs prospect. I feel like you have some good options available. Yes. Uh, a lot of them did make the jump up to the NHL because of the certain issues with the Leafs having injuries and all that fun stuff. Um, I'm going to exclude saying Joshua Hosang because that's an obvious pick. And technically speaking, he's not a prospect because he's under an AHL contract. If you want to say right. prospect, I would say Joshua Hosang. I think he's going to get called up near the end of the year past the past the trade deadline and all that he's doing really really well over there alex steves is doing absolutely he's doing phenomenal up there right now uh he did really really well down there in the a and i believe he deserved the call up for sure uh with the toronto League police organization also justin um Wall. zach senishin 
Zach for, for obvious reasons, yeah. the better he turns out, the better for all of us. That is my answer for my favorite prospect on the Bruins, who I would like to see make it one day. Zach Seneshin. For least favorite, I will designate least favorite as the Montreal Canadiens. I think, obviously, it goes kind of hand in hand. I don't know if the Habs are the team that I hate the most, but they are the team I like dunking on the most. Yeah. So probably, <laughs> uh, which might be the correct way to answer this question. Um, and for me, there, there are two guys who come to mind, um, and it's Ryan Paling, because Habs fans seem to hate him for some reason. I don't know why. Um, people already he, kind of tagging. He's not him a two C yet. Label. That's why. <laughs> and uh, you know, as much as I'd love to see him not succeed for this team, but succeed for a different team, Cole Caulfield. Bottom line is, Cole Caulfield has a chance to be, uh, you know, a Rocket Richard winner, and hopefully the Habs don't screw that up. I think you know the game of hockey is better off if someone like Cole Caulfield reaches his maximum potential. So Cole Caulfield's the answer. Now, Sin, I'm intrigued. Who do you list as your lead? Uh, it's got to be Vegas. Yeah. It's, Over the California it's, it's got to be Vegas. Yeah. So, so do you have a prospect on Vegas? They can all suck dick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't I don't know. I hope none of them make it. I want Vegas to crash and burn. But you have to. It, it's the holiday season. You have to be nice. Fine. Name a prospect and tell me why it's Nick Hague because he was a legend on one of my franchise modes. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, maybe <laughs> in the holiday season, it's so tough it to sucks. be nice. Uh, maybe, maybe Caden Korzak, just because there you a, go, a right hand, right shot defenseman. You know, he's a second round selection. I kind of like those guys who, especially defensemen who emerge from the second round, because a lot, you know, um, they're all kind of fly under the radar like that. I mean, Vlasic was one, Ferraro was one of those type of guys, and you really kind of root for them to kind of become those impact players. So, yeah, I guess, I guess him, but yeah, everyone else can suck a big D, especially, no, and, uh, especially Peyton Krebs. Fair enough. He's going to be Peyton Krebs isn't there anymore. Oh, right. He was in the Eichel trade. Right. Yeah. Actually, we he's going to become a one trade. C. Yeah. He's a, he's a one go. C now, future one C. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> and uh, who would you describe as your least favorite team? And as a result, what prospect? Oh, uh, I'm going to say that the Habs. I'm going to go for a different pick than anybody else is saying right now. Um, I'm going to go for defenseman Arbor Jackeye. And the reason why hey, I say hey. this is. The name. Yeah, the name <laughs> alone. Why. And also he's serving a three game suspension for punch for getting to a fight, but then doing uh go to sleep uh actions uh after he did the fight. Oof. So yeah, he's also this is like his second suspension, uh I believe too. So Fair this is a big him. yeah, this is um a big um this is a big like gritty guy, I guess. He clearly can stand up for himself and his teams. Uh, I remember reading this article last week when they announced the initial, um, uh, the announced initial suspension. They didn't say how long it was. It was indefinite, so they didn't really have a day or time. Reading about like how he was away from the last time the, these guys played Owen Sound because he plays for he plays for the uh, Kitchener Rangers, I believe. Yeah, Kitchener Rangers, and how they're getting tossed around. And he decided this game that he's back to step up and basically tell these tell their team like they're not going to get pushed around anymore so it's a good leadership move but that's a dumbass move in the 
away the celebrate after by telling you guys to go to sleep. I mean, the OHL does have like a three fight policy uh, per season, I believe. Uh, so he seems like a good grit guy that would be good in their system if he does develop and become a, a bigger guy. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely something the the Habs need. I'm surprised they're not uh, freaking out over like they have this defenseman who can fight people and is like Canadian, like Czech as well. So it's like he's a Czech and Canadian. Our final question before we get into some more general topics. This comes from friend of the channel, friend of the podcast, Phil at Arcade Regiment, also twitch.tv slash Arcade Regiment. And we've talked about this a lot on the show, but I want to know Sin's updated thoughts here because he hasn't got to mention it in a while. The percentage you give of NHL players going to the Olympics. I personally put it at 0.001% at this stage. I am fully on board with the idea of they're not going at this point. And especially, too, uh, because as we were getting ready to record the show, hey, guess what? More people are on COVID protocol, this time for the Carolina Hurricanes. Sebastian Ajo, Seth Jarvis, and a member of their training staff. So, yeah, we keep seeing instances popping up. There's the policy of, uh, what, a three-week quarantine uh, for those who, you know, if they go to the Olympics and end up uh, testing positive, they have to stay there. So, yeah, I don't think they're going. Yeah, I don't think they're going to go. I think they're going to go. I'm going to give it about a 50% chance right now simply because um, this league is fucking incompetent. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I yeah, they want to protect their assets, but more importantly, they want to. I don't know, man. I, I just feel like. I feel like they're gonna go, and because I mean, it was what did Gary Bettman recently say? Like, or someone said, like, it's gonna be up to the players. We're gonna leave it up to the players, and or something of that nature. I can't remember the exact quote. Um, and for that reason, I feel like players are gonna want to go, and. Cause they're, they're not ownership. They're not this. If I, then, you know, they, they could. So for me, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's a half and half thing. Obviously Gary Bettman could completely go back on that statement and be like, no, you guys can't go now, but yeah, I don't know. It's a interesting situation. Probably not best or probably best for them to not go. Um, but I mean, who the hell knows? Cause it's, it's a different story for everyone in COVID protocol. Sharks had seven guys missing, you know, the no, no games missed aisles got up to eight. They finally, you know, got games postponed. Canada teams get postponed immediately. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> like, it seems like they only really care about Canada uh, for the first time ever. I think the NHL cares about Canada, I guess, because of the viewership, I guess. But at the same I time, think also because of the travel restrictions, probably like the, I don't know, like the border restrictions. I don't know. That's yeah. what I've been hearing. I've been hearing that might have something to do with how quickly those games get postponed. But hmm. who knows? Yeah, it was something along the lines of the Calgary Flames not wanting to travel because they could get stuck on the wrong side of the border. There's there's a lot with that. Yeah. But yeah. In terms of the NHL going to the Olympics, I have no confidence that's going to happen at this stage. Which leads us to one of our general topics, which again also has me uh, thinking that, I mean, hey, it's wishful thinking, but probably won't happen. Uh, Andrew Azar, I think it's Zadarnowski? Zadarnowski, yeah. 
Zardanowski, there we go. Um, mentioned this on Twitter. The KHL is negotiating with the NHL to host the Capitals and Lightning in Russia for exhibition games in this upcoming September. Uh, you know, with them playing against KHL teams for the sole purpose of being able to highlight Alex Ovechkin and Nikita Kucherov as the big draws. I won't say it, it won't happen. Like, we've seen the NHL do this in, like, the Czech Republic and stuff like that in the past. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not totally out of the question that the NHL and KHL would work together on this. I mean, for the NHL, trying to lock down more of the Russian market by bringing your teams there. And for the KHL, hey... It's a mutually beneficial deal. Yeah. Um, I could see it happening, but obviously, much like the Olympics, it's contingent on certain outside factors. So, I don't know. <sighs> cool in theory. Will it happen anytime soon? I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, I've always been wondering about uh, when they're, they're going to expand over to the KHL, uh, just to see how everything is and how... I- I've always wanted to see like how big of a talent level gap there is. Because they know a lot of guys that retire or retire here or go over to play in the K. And, you know, that's like the, the closest league there is to the NHL. So it'd be good to see like a, mm. a top talent. I can already tell like it's probably going to be like avant garde against uh, avant garde and maybe uh, CSKA and SKA, Moscow going up. It's not going to be like a bottom team like Kunlun, which is essentially the yeah. Chinese <laughs> national team because of like weird ruling and having all their players play in China like three years ago. Like, Gotta get ready for the Olympics yeah. to get pooped on by Canada, like, which is official by the way. They're, they're keeping those groups the same so Canada versus China is going to happen and it's, well, if the Olympics happen, which it won't, but in theory it would be the biggest mismatch in hockey history. <laughs> yeah, it's, so. it's gonna be bad. <laughs> and then in the one, the one final note here, which I don't really want to get into too much, but people are asking me if we were going to talk about it. So hey, at least we'll acknowledge it. Um, Dystopia. The US, the USHL, um, which is an interesting league. Um, one of their teams, the Sioux Falls Stampede, held an event over the weekend, Bidding. in which a and you have probably seen this. A group of teachers were. Uh, Made to essentially grovel on their hands and knees and try to play Hungry Hunger Hippos with money that was on the floor uh, to help uh, earn money for uh, teaching supplies. Nobody nobody with the Sioux Falls Stampede thought that was a bad idea. Nobody. Here's, have them here's shoot I... the puck from center ice, do something else skill-related, but literally having teachers on their hands and knees grasping at dollars... You thought that was a good idea and would get you good publicity. We're talking about it, so if you believe in all publicity, it's good publicity, then sure. Uh, the Sioux Falls Stampede can go fuck themselves. Those are my oh. thoughts on this story. I here, here's, here's what I don't understand. What's the entertainment value of that? What's like, this, if, if you're going to have an event like that, there's like a prize system. There's no entertainment value to that. Besides... Like, I don't understand it. Like, who who looked at that and thought, yeah, this is fun to watch? Like, unless you're a sick fucking sadist, like, watching people who desperately need money. Like, we're, we've literally reached the tippy top of, like, a dystopian fucking system. Like, mm-hmm. when's the last time you saw a military have to fucking scoop up $1 bills for, for bombs? When's the last time you saw police have to buy their own fucking handcuffs? I, I don't I don't get it. 
I, I just don't get it. And the fact of like the matter was like they thought that this was a good idea. Then it was reported on by a journalist as like, oh, here they go. And like, what the hell? How are you as a journalist like with, with any with any measure of integrity? not report this for what it is, which is an indictment upon an entire country's system of economics and the way they view teachers and education in general. And that's what it is. And you're a shitty fucking journalist if you don't report it like that. You don't see the big picture and you're pr- probably just under someone's thumb. And, getting, I mean, and I you know certain people would be like, well, they didn't have to give them the chance to get the money at all. So, I mean, they're technically helping. You know someone's... So write a goddamn check. Like, like don't, yeah. you, you don't need to have them make a spectacle. Like, how degrading right. is like, that? Like, the idea of, it's like, so okay, do the center degrading. ice challenge. Oh, we center ice challenge for sure. And, yeah, do the center ice challenge and be like, oh, nobody made it. We're still going to give you the money anyway. Yeah. And then everyone's fucking happy. Yeah. Like, it's that fucking simple. Yeah, or, like, the you do, like... fuck is the matter with you? Like, curling style. Like, closest one to, like, the hole gets, like, the bigger pot and, like, it goes back out by like that. Like, I think it was the massive massive oversight um and they clearly did not like peer review this and say hey yeah we just dumped five thousand dollars on the middle of like the ice on a on a carpet on a carpet so it's kind of humane a little bit nice and warm yeah yeah. nice and warm carpet it's fine it's okay uh and we just made, made them go on their hands and knees and whatever they could carry no bag no bag. I think the worst part about that was that someone took off their hat to put money in there, and like mm-hmm. it, it, it's like that's that's bad. Like that that five thousand you could have just given to them directly. You could have you could have just easily been there was like five of them there, or it was like five or six. You could have each given them a thousand dollars to their school or their classroom to donate and get supplies instead of having to go on your hands and knees and essentially fight for it like pigs. In like a like a like a like a pig pen, while the while the the check holders are at the top, just like oh yes yes, I enjoy this yes, the money basically yeah. The USHL is a it's a top tier development program <laughs> at, at this point. It is, and the problem is these these are the headlines coming out of it. Shit like this, uh, shit like the. Uh, Tri-City Storm of the USHL. Uh, I mentioned it on the show. I don't know if you guys recall uh, what defenseman's currently on their roster. Right. Uh, Arizona Coyotes legend Mitch Miller uh, uh, in that league as well. That was one of the more recent headlines from that that particular deal. But he's a point per game, 22 and 22. It's got to give those talented kids who, like, it all makes sense. So, yeah, the USHL. Maybe don't support that league. Maybe don't. That's up to you. You make your choices. But, uh, oof, at the end of the day. We'll move in to, and again, you can kind of see why I didn't want to bring it up, but a lot of people asked me about it. It's technically a hockey-related topic, so let's talk about it. Fuck it. We'll get into the day-by-day. Let's go back to last Thursday to start things off. We have a lot of things to talk about from throughout the weekend. We'll start off with the Lightning beating the Leafs 5-3, highlighted by Steven Stamkos' 13th of the season. Because he's ridiculous. Andre Palat had a two-goal game. He's up to nine on the year. And this was a game in which John Cooper became the fastest head coach in league history to win 400 games. Uh, It took him 659 regular season games to do so. The previous record was Bruce Boudreaux at 663. So he beat the record by four games. And man... 
I feel like John Cooper's coaching tenure with the Lightning is going to be something that we talk about for a long time. He was so close because to you being talk fired. about exactly <laughs> yeah. you talk about a team that is dominant and oh my god they're going up against the Blue Jackets and they they get swept and the conversation is how do you possibly bring John Cooper back after that? They do two cups and now the fastest head coach in history to win four hundred games. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like that. What what might have been if they fired him? What might have been? Yeah. Who the hell knows? The but. entire fandom was seemingly calling for it, like how badly he got mm-hmm. out coached in that series. And uh, yeah, man. I mean, maybe if in the, if they're in a bigger market or a Canadian market, they would have had. Oh, the if he pressure. was in a Canadian market, oh my god. Well, I, well mm, maybe not. Because I wanted to say if he was in a Canadian market, maybe. But um, a, a certain a certain Mike Babcock wasn't fired and was given like what a month into a new season. Before being fired after another playoff collapse in the first round, so I don't know. Some Canadian teams. Man, how fucking long was Jim Benning around in Vancouver? Well, like I get the idea of Canadian teams uh, recently, of course, because they finally started doing shit. You know, would probably would have gotten rid of John Cooper, but honestly, Thanks. Canadian teams have been really conservative with holding on to certain talent levels. That's true. They always kind of find other scapegoats half the time. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't mm. know. Who knows? Yeah. Like, my Leafs will just yell at everybody else and yell about all the problems. And then I, I love how last year it was Justin fuck Hall. Fuck Jake Gardner in particular. Yeah, fuck Jake Gardner. And now it's just like, oh, who are we going to yell this year? Justin Hall signed a really, really team-friendly contract. Oh, what's that? He sucks? All right. You're, you're Jake Gardner now. <laughs> God. <sighs> um, Someone on the, the Leafs the- roster always has to be Meg. From <laughs> basically, <laughs> there's a play on words there with Toronto Maple Leafs and Meg, but I just I can't get it right now. But hey, um, Meg, for Meg the Leafs, Leafs as well. There you go. Yeah, that was that was the easy one that I didn't want to go with. So. <laughs> uh, for the Leafs in general, uh, who will that scapegoat be this year? Maybe it will be Andre Kasha. Who had a two-goal game, seventh and eighth of the year? Don't you dare! Uh, William Nylander also scored his twelfth, and then again, William Nylander's like a perennial scapegoat, uh, at least among certain Canadian media outlets. So maybe it'll be William Nylander again. He's yeah. like their fucking best player. I don't understand it. <laughs> well, TSN likes Willie Styles, so I'm happy about that. You know, they 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 they've switched heads now. It's Sportsnet running it, running a running a muck on. I don't know. He's he's a nice guy. I met him. It's pretty cool. <laughs> There you go. Uh, also on Thursday, the Chicago Blackhawks beat the Montreal Canadiens 2 to nothing. That was a shutout for Marc-Andre Fleury for his 500th career win. Again, just the third goalie to ever accomplish that feat. Uh, Jonathan Taves as well scored his first of the year because he sucks mm-hmm. and in guilty conscience weighs heavy. Yeah, and he's always been overrated, and now I have zero guilt in actually saying it loudly from the mountaintops. Actually, I never had guilt saying it. I'm just, I just feel more vindicated now, especially that he's a shit human. Anyway, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple of rather unnotable games: the Ducks beat the Blue Jackets, the Preds beat the Islanders, but then we get to the Blues beating the Detroit Red Wings six to two with a call up. Nathan Walker, Caps legend, Australian legend, scoring a hat trick for his first three goals of the season. We call that a Rem Pitlick. 
Um, ridiculous. Just, and again, another one, like, I feel like already, like, we're not even in January yet, and the highlight reel package for, like, moments of the season is already, like, 20 minutes long. Yeah. Like, this has been an unbelievable season in terms of moments where you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that happened. Hell, Charlie Lindgren was the winning goaltender in this game. He is their fourth string goalie, if I'm not mistaken. Just madness. And for the Red Wings, Robbie Fabry against his former team had a two-goal game, seventh and eighth of the year. But the Nathan Walker hat trick. So cool. I feel sorry for him because it's going to get buried at this rate in the list of great moments of the season. And I think you two both agree. No, I mean it's it was just such <laughs> yeah. a cool moment. Like, yeah, that's like great for him. I always I always like those kind of guys, like those role player type guys. Oh, you, you, I find it really hard to not root for them. And uh, yeah, mm. good for him. The Carolina Hurricanes beat the Calgary Flames two to one in overtime. Sebastian Ajo, twelfth and thirteenth goals of the year, and again we hope he is well. Uh, but for the Calgary Flames, the notable moment here. Um, Jerome McGinley's son was just drafted ninth overall in the WHL to the Seattle Thunderbirds. How old, Sin, do we feel? Very uh, old. <laughs> I remember when he won the Maurice Richard. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, we're again, we've reached the point. It was mentioned in my Twitch chat. Like, oh, like Shane Doan's son drafted into the NHL. Jerome McGinley's son will eventually, the next couple of years, be drafted into the NHL, most likely. I just, I feel so old. Yeah. I haven't even hit 30 yet, and I feel so old. It's ridiculous. And then there's Endo, who's the baby of this podcast. He's like, yeah, it's, it's fine. You, you, think, you think that's old? You. Uh, we're probably going to talk about this later, but Connor Bedard just got announced to the Canada like World Junior roster, and he's 16 years old. Yeah. I mean, you know what, we were going to bring that up, but honestly, there's not too much we can say. I mean, you could talk about the stubs. Uh, by the way, again, forgot to mute the audio, so shout out to Melvin Estro for the Twitch follow. Twitch.tv slash 24 A kid who just um, got a G1 license in Ontario. A, a kid who yeah. could just legally, like, just, just vote, like, I think it's voting in 16, I can't remember, it was 18. But a kid who can, like, drive a car, who just can like, just got a license, like, it's like learning license. Is playing against like kids who are up to like twenty one. That is, what the fuck am I doing with my life? <laughs> it really makes me think. God, I didn't realize how old I was, but God, twenty three is pretty old. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, again, the Canadian World Junior roster is obviously a lot of talk about. Oh, who who was snubbed and everything. You're you're always gonna have snubs. Yeah. It's the Team Canada roster. There are snubs every year. I don't really think it's overly notable to talk about. There is the conversation of, I don't believe they took a single right-handed defenseman. But at the same time, it's like, they're just, it's I don't know. It's, it's Canada. They do weird things all the time. There are snubs all the time. It is what it is. Um, the Boston Bruins beat the Edmonton Oilers on Thursday 3-2. to Marshawn's 10th. Jake DeBrusque's 5th. Get that trade value up, baby, before you get traded to the Sharks. Uh, and Matt Grizzlick with his first of the year as the winner. Uh, for the Oilers, Dreisaitl 22nd and 23rd on the year in 25 games at that point. No more 82-goal season, but he's hitting 70. Rid- Come on. Ridiculous. Please. If he doesn't hit at least 60, it means he got injured. Yeah. Right? Like That's, that's the only way that he'll be stopped at this point. Now, I want to mention something, though, aside from the game. Lol. 
Mike Milbury this week was circulating, or at least last week, was circulating surrounding, uh, you know, Boston sports fandom because he was quoted on a radio show in saying, it's time for Boston to move on from Patrice Bergeron. It would be hard to trade Marshawn, but it's worth the discussion as well. It would not be hard to trade Marshawn. You know how many teams out there would like a Marshawn on his contract and what he brings to the table? Is he making like seven mil? Six. What the? Who? What? <laughs> Give me Marshawn. Marshawn for Kane. One for one. Who says no? Bruins. But Brad um, Marshawn. <laughs> you want you want to know why this is the best contract in the NHL? He is making six one two five for three more years after this. And he's Brad Marshawn. Now look, seventy points. I get that he might not be the biggest favorite in the locker room to some people that he's had run-ins with. Allow me to list you the last few seasons of Brad Marchand. 85 points in 80 games. 85 points in 68 games. 179, 87 in 70 games. 69 points, very nice, in 53 games. Nice. And this year he has 27 points in 21 games. Holy shit. He's even... Hard to trade him, though. <laughs> That'd be so easy to trade. What the? Well, it's Mike Milbert. I think... He's, exactly. It's He'll trade the anybody. more you talk about it, you're like, oh yeah, that's right. It's Mike Milbury who said this absurdly dumb thing. I was, thing. I was very, you know, I was, I was, I was, you know, feeling good because I hadn't heard it from him in a while. I think he's just trying to get himself back into the fucking hockey conversation. Where's he been? Because NBC ain't doing games anymore. He ain't there. Like he's not with TNT or ESPN or anything like that. So he's just gonna come out with some stupid take. Him and Tortorella are competing to fill the void of Don Cherry. Eh, stupid. No, eh, whatever. It's it's Mike again. Who cares? Maybe all press is good press. Sixty nine years old. God, go to retirement home. Keep your thoughts to yourself at this point. Milbury's sixty (laughs) nine. Yeah. June seventeenth, nineteen fifty two. For his age. I mean, yeah, he played in the seventies. Yeah. So Botox. (sighs) Couldn't get you more brain cells, huh? Though. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, just. Maybe all press is good press, but is it worth coming back if you're just going to get dunked on for being an old man? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. And honestly, you know, we can talk about this now, too. I was going to save it for uh, a little bit later on. But while we're talking about old white men yelling at clouds, uh, there is a another comment that was out there this week in regards to the Anaheim Ducks as Sin... Missed uh, getting to talk about maybe the goal of the year, my God, goal of the that year. Was so sick. I loved, I love Zegris so much. Like, uh, he's so sick. Anyway, yeah, please. The John Tortorella quote of, I don't know if the Zegris Milano, by the way, the, the term Dishigan, I love. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that yet. <laughs> that was what I grabbed from the headline. The term is Dishigan, apparently. Dishigan. Basically, John Tortorella doesn't know if the Dishigan is good for the game. Every time John Tortorella talks, it's it's an, he can never have a balanced take. It's either on one side of the, the spectrum or the other. It can never be anywhere in the middle. There's never a nuanced take. It's either, oh, yeah, John Tortorella talking about this. Yeah, no, every, like everyone agrees. And then he has a take like this where it's like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. It's the evolution of the game. How, in, in what way 
would this be bad for the game? Unless you're going to be like, well, it's more players raising their sticks and that could result in injuries. While we have the example of two different players being stretchered off the ice in the past week because the game has become so fast and you haven't changed the rules for hitting, so people are getting fucking floored. Yeah. But no... Trevor Zegers to Sonny Milano is bad for the game. Yeah, here's what here's what I I the the, the part that I really took away from from this from this quote. Um, it's the fact that he said, "Oh, if you try that, you know, 20, 10, 20 years ago, you get your head taken off." And that doesn't raise a fucking exclamation point in your mind, where it's like, "Oh yeah, you'll get your head taken off if you try fancy stuff like that." But so head trauma, good. Fancy goals that draw in fans from the fucking NBA who we should probably kind of target because it's a similar style of game in a lot of ways and who we could probably poach five on five, et cetera, so forth. Like the speed of the game is exciting. We start bringing in the fancy plays like basketball has also exciting. Good for growing the game. Um, so, yeah, the Brady, uh, I think it's Tritanero. There's some names here that are, that are killing me, and I'm sorry. It's at Brady Tret, T-R-E-T-T. His initial tweet, it's got fucking three million views for a hockey clip yep. on Twitter. That's massive. Yeah. There's not too much that's going to circulate that much in the hockey world to get three million views on Twitter. Like, the impressions are insane. And basketball fans were, were in there chiming in and calling it, like, a hockey alley-oop and stuff like that. And, like, we need that. We need more crossover. So, like, stop with this dinosaur take of trying to protect, like, this weird spirit of the game. Let me let me tell you something. If, if we found out anything over the course of this season, the spirit of the game sucks. The culture around the game sucks. Let's tear it down and build this new fun culture of in, inclusion and cool shit. Like, having fun, being a person, stop being a robot. This isn't the 1980s Soviet fucking team. Like, why we got to be robots and, you know, score gold and never smile and, and don't celebrate and goddamn. Like, what is this? Why we, why moving back? Why does, why does hockey want to move backwards so badly? It's so weird. Okay. Boy, it's almost like hockey is a reflection of real life where old white men yeah. are halting progress as much as they possibly can. Yeah. Can, I, can I say Microcosm, one thing? Once again. <laughs> Can I say one thing real quick about the whole thing? I see where he's coming from, but at the same time, I don't. Like, I said I said this to Timo on Twitter. Good friend of the channel. Great the graphic designer. Baker and Timo. Um, I, I see in, like, a fundamental standpoint why he would oppose something like this as creative because it, it's more flashy. But at the same time, it's innovation. And what? The old saying is innovation takes risks. The fact that this is like a set play at this point because Sonny Milano called out for him to hit a Michigan and, and Trevor Zegers flipped it up instead. And it was basically like a set play. And while I agree with having this as like a new avenue that people are going through and being more creative, it is great. But I see why he sees it as the fundamentals of hockey being changed and altered in a way. I, I, I see both. I see both aspects of it. It's probably a I'm good thing. Yeah, I, it's, I'm for it. I'm for it, but I see where he's coming from. I will say his his concept of, oh, he'd get lit up. Again, we're seeing players get fucking decked in terms of these hits in the past couple of weeks, especially. 
So he acts as if there was never the possibility that someone was going to come around the back of the net and floor him before he could pull off that move. Yeah. Like, that risk is still there. It's called understanding the time and the space and having the balls to pull off that move. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes that goal so special. Yeah. So, John Tortorella just... Ugh, more, at this point, like anytime he wins good equity, he just throws it away. Yeah. And like more to the point of like, yeah, the fundamentals and playing defense, like the point of the game is still to score goals. Like you can't hear th- what Tortorella specialized in is making one of the most unwatchable brands of hockey. Yeah, it was effective. You win. But like it, he didn't like at the end of the day, like he didn't win enough. And it's yeah, like you can still do that kind of stuff and still play solid defensively. It. It's they, 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 these things aren't mutually exclusive, and yeah, yeah you don't. It, you, we can have both things. You know, it's okay. Really, it's gonna be okay. There's still gonna be your hard nosed plays and your hard nosed players. Hockey's a very large team and a very large team sport, and you need all the roles to be filled. But mm-hmm. you know, it's gonna be okay if we have plays like this. <laughs> but I want my sport to be like it was back in the good old days where players smoked on the bench. Yeah. Drinking yeah, beers color, in the locker room. And color people drink from different water fountains. Like, fucking hell. Jesus. <laughs> That's the quote I got oh from God. fucking, of all people, lovely friend of the show, OG Kevin Bacon. <laughs> oh, man. This treaty says it's fucking hilarious. I love that guy. Oh, man. Not afraid. Not afraid to tip, to tip the scales. No. So... Other games on Thursday. We got a couple of a uh, couple other ones to get to. The Jets beat the Kraken three to nothing. Connor Hellebuck shutout. Uh, Kyle Connor sixteenth and seventeenth <laughs> of the season. What a season he's having. Kyle Connor Bruins jersey, so I can cry into it every night. <laughs> That's what I want for Christmas. <laughs> um, <laughs> the L.A. Kings beat the Dallas Stars four to nothing. Jonathan Quick with the shutout. He's a, I mean, look, you could argue who's up there for the Masterton and for what reasons, but like Jonathan Quick's reemergence this year is a story that's not getting, I'd say, enough attention. He's been really good this year. And if the LA Kings make the playoffs as of Thursday, they were 11, 10, and 4, so eh. But if the Kings make the playoffs, I think Jonathan Quick has a good uh, shot at the Masterton. And uh, Adrian Kempe scored his 11th of the year. He's also having a really good season. And, uh, Boys, if you don't have any thoughts on those games, we can move on to Sin's thoughts uh, on the Sharks game, although I don't know if he saw it. What day was this? Thursday? No, I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I watched some highlights. I saw some bits and pieces. And, yeah, just I saw a lot of Sharks fans being like, why couldn't Burns hold off Greenway? Greenway's big. Shut the fuck up. Greenway's a big, <laughs> a big boy. Burns Jesus. is 36, like man. Dad time catches up, all right? Whatever. Right. Like, that's like being like, oh, why can't this old lion fend off the new young lion? Yeah. Like, what the hell are you talking We're the same about? breed of lion. It should work. Jesus. So, Minnesota beat San Jose 5-2. Uh, Erickson Eck is 11th. He's been great. Greenway had his third and fourth of the year. And then Kaprizov, that gold total's finally getting up there. He's up to 10. Mm-hmm. Of course, we talked about him earlier in the season. It's like, oh, no, Jake Voracek. A lot of assists, very few goals. Um, but how many How many assists, of course. Mm. Um, for the Sharks, Jonathan Dolan, his eighth of the year. He's been great for the Sharks still. And uh, Tomas Hurdle, future Bruin, please. <laughs> please. It's going to cost you a lot. <laughs> of the year. Have a nice, shiny Jake DeBrusque, a first and a prospect, and call it a day. Um, Not enough. <laughs> God. Yeah. So... An interesting, an interesting set of games there. We'll move on to Friday. 
uh, where the New York Rangers beat the Buffalo Sabres 2-1. Um, honestly, the Sabres got jobbed. Um, there was a tweet here. Uh, According to a source, the NHL Situation Room called the Sabres and Rangers to say it incorrectly called offside on a disallowed goal for the Sabres that would have tied the game. So uh, that would happen to Buffalo. Yeah. Of all teams. That would happen to Buffalo. Um, in this game for the Rangers, though, Lafreniere, his sixth of the year. So he's gotten better since we kind of talked about he and Capocacco's struggles. But Mika Zibanejad scored his fifth of the year. Now, he has 16 assists, 21 points. But only five goals for Mika Zibanejad, where if I'm not mistaken, he had a game last year where he scored four in a game. I, it, it at least makes me look at that stat line to say, huh, what's going on with Mika Zibanejad? Yeah. So, I'm intrigued to see. I mean, the Rangers, though, as much as you want to dissect certain issues, like, oh, well, Zibanejad's not scoring as much. Uh, this game pushed them to 18-5-3. They're still winning. Like, that. at this point, it's <laughs> like, whatever. Like, it, good teams find ways to win. And apparently, the Rangers are now just a good team. Like, for a while, I mean, with that, I, I, I felt like they were going to fall back down to earth. But they did the opposite, where they improved that goal differential. And I think... I think that's been uh, pretty massive for them. But again, a 2-1 win, yeah, maybe a bit of luck, but still, you have to win the close games as well as outscore your opponent. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see how they're able to do come the playoffs because I don't think there's any doubt that they're going to make it playing like this. Again, you said good teams find a way to win. That roster in some ways almost defies logic as to how they're so good. But, hey, results are results. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins beat the Washington Capitals 4-2. to two. Goals for the Penguins from like Heinen and Jeff Carter. Uh, eight and eight goals for both of them, actually, on the year. So, of course, they just keep finding a way. Uh, Kuznetsov, his ninth for the Caps. I'll keep pointing out of getting Kuznetsov as much as I can. Like, he has really uh, turned things around where he was in that John Cooper role <laughs> of like, ah, get rid of him, move on from him. Uh, and it's a good thing Washington didn't. 16-5-6 despite the loss as of Friday. The... Nashville Predators beat the New Jersey Devils 3-2. to Yossi his ninth, because Roman Yossi's a, a freak. Talk about, again, someone who doesn't get enough credit. Uh, and Pavel Zaka, his ninth for the Devils. He's been good, too. But then we get to uh, an interesting couple of stats here. It's Colorado beating Detroit 7-3. to Andre Burakovsky scored his eighth and ninth of the year in this game. Kale McCarr has 12 goals as of Friday. 12. Dude, the Avalanche have just been on fire. I so yeah so they scored seven goals. This was one of the tweets I saw. After scoring seven goals tonight over the last thirty days, the Colorado Avalanche are now outscoring the Denver Broncos seventy-three to fifty. They have more goals than the Broncos have had points over a thirty-day span. And again, like Nathan McKinnon had been injured in that time. And then there was the other stat line saying, uh, with their seventh goal tonight, the Avs have scored seven goals in six different games this year, including a spam where they did it three times in a row. So again, seven goal games, they have six of them. That's no insane. other team has more than two. That's insane, dude. They have to win. Yeah. They have to win. Like, there are. As long as I call the fucking rule book in the playoffs, they got a good goddamn chance. Yeah. Call the rule book. Nazem Kadri doesn't get suspended. Yeah. Avoid major injuries. The Avs have no excuse to not win the Stanley Cup so long as those factors aren't there. Vegas just going to grit um, everyone down. God, I hate it. 
we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens with them is the is the best way to phrase it at this point. But that was just unreal. Uh, the Panthers beat the Coyotes 3-2. to Sam Bennett has nine goals on the year. Not much to talk about when you say the Panthers are playing the Coyotes. And then the Vancouver Canucks beat the Winnipeg Jets 4-3 to in a shootout. Nils Hoaglander, 6th and 7th on the year. Uh, for the Jets, Blake Wheeler scored his first of the year. Kyle Connor scored his 18th of the year. And uh, Mark Shifley scored his 7th. So uh, the Jets have bounced back a little bit. Like, obviously, Shifley, it took him forever to get that first goal of the year. Blake Wheeler finally gets his first, which is nice for them. And we'll talk more about the Canucks in a little bit. And then you get to the final game on Friday as the Flyers beat the Golden Knights 4-3. to Philadelphia snapping a pretty brutal Lost streak, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 9, 12, and 4 as of this game. They started we'll talk out more so about good. them <laughs> in a little bit, too. That is a team that is somehow is failing. Yeah. They are better than their record. But again, we'll talk about that in a second because there was an article out there that I want to discuss. Uh, and I'll know for the Golden Knights, Patch already 8th and ninth of the year uh, after, I believe, missing some time due to injury. So we moved to Saturday. The Ottawa Senators beat the Tampa Bay Lightning four to nothing. The Sens eight sixteen and one. The Lightning seventeen six and four. <laughs> Anton Forsberg shut out the Tampa Bay Lightning. Josh Norris scored his twelfth of the year. He's been no, great. No. I mean, goddamn. No. Like as much as you talk about, oh, <laughs> trading Carlson at the time. Yeah. Like, dude, Josh Norris looks like he is going to be that stud. Uh, Top six center mm-hmm. for the Sens. Yeah, I mean, it's why the Sharks drafted him, and he was basic. He was gonna be like a Couture type player, and he's showing to be that. Scoring big goals, he plays a solid two way game. He's a, and you don't, you don't hear about him a whole lot, and that's pretty much Logan Couture in a nutshell. Like it's, and he's he's fucking good, and I, very I'm I, good for him. I I had high hopes when they when the Sharks drafted him, and. Yeah, and hopefully the Sens can figure their shit out. (laughs) There's no guarantee the roster would still be the same. But in theory, this season, Hurdle, Couture, Norris Mm -hmm. up the middle. Oof. Would that be tough for any team to deal with? Brady Kachuk as well in this game had a hat trick, up to 11 goals on the year. He has 21 points in 22 games played as of this past Saturday after missing the first couple of games uh, after the contract situation and then taking a little bit to get going. But Brady Kachuk, is, uh, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. As much as you were kind of worried about that contract, to be like, yeah, they're kind of paying him for what he's going to be. Uh, turns out he was on a pretty fast trajectory yeah. <laughs> to get to where they wanted him to be. 21 and 22 is great. I'm glad things sort of worked out for Ottawa because it feels like so often things don't work out. But then oh, they got a little bit of the whole uh, the luck thing with the, the, the Stutzla situation with the after the Carlson trade. It just it's seeming to kind of work. But then this season they start off like four, what, uh, whatever they were. They're doing slightly better now. But yeah, um. Dorian, just keep your fucking mouth shut and stop saying the rebuild's over. Do your goddamn job. Eugene Melnick, stay away from the team like a good owner should and let let the guys figure it out. Like, that's what the Sens need. Like, this, let, let the team sort of sort itself out, man. I promise, like, don't rush it along like the Habs, all right? Because you're going to end up in, a, in another retooling state in a few years if you do. 
Worth noting as well, the goalie in the other net for the Tampa Bay Lightning, Brian Elliott. Now, from a three-year perspective, given the role that he's been in, caught some flack that Brian Elliott still has a half-decent rating in my custom rosters for NHL 22. Again, if you're on Series S or X, download them today, along with the likes of Tactics uh, HD on YouTube and Snipe and Score. That's Snipe and Score production with his old school uh, 2007 and 1997 base rosters, which are big chef's kiss. But for Brian Elliott, he has been trash. <laughs> and, uh, well, maybe, okay, so maybe not trash. Like, his numbers have bounced back a little bit, but it makes you wonder, you know, we had that conversation, like, oh, shit, if Vassy goes down, like, Tampa has to get a goalie. Brian Elliott, his save percentages in recent seasons. So, like, once upon a time when he was in St. Louis, his final year in St. Louis, he had a 930 in 42 games. And then he went to Calgary, which I don't remember at all. 49 games to the Flames and a 910. It's not that bad. Goes to the Flyers. 909. That's okay by Philly standards because they ruin goalies. Yeah. <laughs> Case in point, 907, 899. 889 <laughs> in subsequent years. And this year he has uh, six games of the Lightning and a 903 save percentage. Just oof. Yeah. Oof is the only thing I can say. That's that's a that's a rough scene for Brian Elliott at this point. Yeah. Losing four nothing to Ottawa as well. Just not that the offense helped him, but I don't know. I'm intrigued to see if the Lightning make uh if the Lightning makes some moves at some point. Um the St. Louis Blues beat the Montreal Canadiens 4-1. to Ryan Lindgren, or excuse me, Charlie Lindgren. I'm thinking of Rangers Ryan Lindgren. Charlie Lindgren, that's how shocking it is, gets a win against his former team. Uh, Bushnevich is 11th, Barbashev his 10th. So the Blues at 15-8-4, and the Habs down to 6-20-3. <laughs> Oof. It's so bad, dude. It's it gets worse every time you think about it. You're, you're like, oh, the Habs are bad. Then you realize how bad they are in their situation, and then you're like, oh, it's that bad. They're with the Coyotes, who are literally trying to be bad. <laughs> the Habs weren't. Yeah, <laughs> they just weren't. Went to the Cup. They had all these high, high hopes, and then let Dan O go, and you know, then Weber kind of melted away. But yeah, it was and Price had poor. situation. I don't know what the Habs are gonna do. They're so fucked right now. Off of point percentage, Montreal is thirty-first out of thirty-two teams, only ahead of the Arizona Coyotes. Woof! Brutal. <laughs> like Woof. who had Montreal? <laughs> Being worse than Ottawa, being worse than Buffalo, and they are so far. It's crazy, and it's got to be scary if you're a Habs fan. The Washington Capitals beat the Buffalo Sabres three to two in a shootout. The Caps' record seventeen five and six, and they are now preparing for Nicholas Backstrom to make his season debut. Oh wait, what? He hasn't been playing. They have done that. <laughs> I just don't pay 17, attention. 5, and 6 without Nicholas Backstrom. Holy shit. Ridiculous. How many goals does Ovi have again? 20 and 28. That is without Nicholas Backstrom. And I believe Nicholas Backstrom leads, like, out of all players that, that Ovi's played with, he's, like, the number one, like, 
assist guy setup man yeah yeah, yeah he is that's number that, one that, that's the combo there that's been the combo basically since day one yeah as, as far mm. as i can remember it's baxter and ovi i remember i saw the, the hug that they gave each other when they won the cup like well we finally did it mm-hmm. it's 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 awesome and i love that and i obviously clearly haven't been paying a whole heck of a lot of attention to the east or the caps in general but uh yeah, I didn't even realize that he just wasn't in there. I see go I see Ovi getting goals. I'm like, eh, okay, Backstrom's there and he's feeding him. I don't Yeah. <laughs> he's been he's in the press he's box. Been with off, and I think that's a big part of the reason as to why right. Kuznetsov he had 30 points in 28 games. Like he's he's benefited greatly uh from playing with his fellow countrymen there. But for Backstrom, he's coming off of a hip injury. He has uh three years left after this one at nine point two million against the cap. So he's thirty-four. Gotta hope that yeah. he uh, stays healthy here, but when, that that could be concerning. But obviously, uh, that was signed. This is year two. Okay, of this yeah, deal. I signed like that had to uh, be January of twenty twenty. Okay, that extension. All right, yeah, felt like that had to be recent. In fairness, he has a no movement clause this year, a no movement clause next year, and then it turns into a fifteen team no trade list in the past or the, the last two years. So theoretically, worst case scenario, you call up Arizona and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Chicago Blackhawks 5-4 to on Saturday. John Tavares and William Nylander both getting their 13th of the year. Uh, Austin Matthews is 18th in six games since shaving his mustache. He has eight goals and 12 points in the past six games. So, hey, for those who still care about that story, because I don't know why it was ever made a big deal about, oh, Austin Matthews is shaving the mustache. It was, it was weird. Endo, any thoughts on this particular game? Um, sloppy win. Uh, I'm not really sure what else to say about it. Uh, we had it. I'm glad that uh, Mrazek was able to get back in there. Uh, because I know Leaf Nation was calling for his head for the past, like, what? How long's the season been? Like, three months? Since since day one, it's like, oh, he can't stay healthy. Trade him. He's nothing. We have, just, we have Joe Wall. We can use him instead. I'm like, if you guys have the option to have those two goalies, like when Maratzik is healthy, he's he's great. When he's not, which is more often than not what the case is, then you're kind of stuck. Uh, I hope he can stay healthy and help this team out because he played great. Should note as well for the Hawks, Jonathan Taves scored again. And then Dominic Kubalik scored his fifth of the year, and I view this as one of the big issues for the Hawks. Uh, he should be one of their top goal scorers. He has five goals, four assists yeah. so far this season. So that kind of sums up their shortcomings. Yeah, everyone was calling for him to win the Calder when he was a rookie. I remember that. And uh, saying how he was going to be such a great goal scorer. Who who did win the, the Calder? That was recent. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of who won... The Calder, that season. that was the Darlene season, wasn't it? When he Wh- was which season was it? What year? Kale, Kale McCarr won it yeah. instead. I found it. Yeah. He finished third uh, behind Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes. Mm-hmm. So fair enough. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins beat the Anaheim Ducks one nothing on Saturday. Casey DeSmith with the shutout, much to the chagrin of everybody. He seems to be like the most hated Penguin. Um, past action still haunting him. And the New York Islanders beat the New Jersey Devils four to two. The Islanders, I believe, in their was it their eighth attempt, finally won on their home ice or something like that. <laughs> something crazy like that. Uh, Zach Parise's first of the year. What a signing that's been. JG Pajot's fourth, and again, he has a pretty pricey deal. So that's it's concerning. The Islanders are 7-11-5, and, 
And Sim, we had kind of discussed it last week when you weren't here. The coach is often the first to go. You have to wonder if they maybe hit the panic button, but 7-11 and 5 isn't a, an insurmountable uh, you know, hold that they're in. If they do, someone's going to get a hell of a coach. Um, <laughs> I hope Seattle I, again better fire Hackstall immediately. Yeah, I think I think Seattle would be the, a, a great, great team to get someone like Barry Trotz because they're new. It probably won't be too hard for them to buy into someone to what Barry Trotz will bring to the table. And I think they got the kind of roster that Barry Trotz would like to work with. Um, you know, especially with you know the quality and the amount of solid defensemen that they have. I feel like that's one of Barry Trotz's specialties is making a good system to you know play defense well obviously you see the islanders but um i mean when he had the capitals too i mean he, he was getting ov at least for a brief amount of time to be able to play that defense so i mean it should not be too hard to get a seattle roster to buy into that and have them improve uh improve but uh we'll see i don't know what seattle wants to do i don't really know what they have an organizational direction but i mean you got ron francis in charge so dude, yeah who's who knows uh, in this game as well, Jesper Bratt, his eighth of the year for the Devils. He's been great. Jack Hughes up to four goals as well. Hopefully, again, he can stay healthy. The Flyers won again. They beat the Coyotes 5-3. to three. So Philly's at 10-12-4. Hi, Shane. It's not all doom and gloom. Like they can... Did you guys see that clip <laughs> of Tyler Konechny yes. saying? <laughs> That's, there's That's a Travis highlight Konechny of the and The Shane Gostas Bear bromance yeah. is alive and well. That was great. Um, the Coyotes fall to 5-20-2. Tanking for Shane Wright. Making it work. Uh, JBR had two goals for the Flyers. Hits up to five. Claude Drew had his tenth. And I actually saw um, a tweet here. or Yeah, a tweet here. It was a story from Broad Street Hockey. And, I mean, hey, I you know, in terms of their reputation amongst the Flyers fan base, I don't know. But I have certainly seen these sentiments all over the place. Uh, the headline was, Flyers owe it to Claude Giroux to let him chase the Stanley Cup elsewhere. I can't necessarily disagree with that. Because for some reason with Philly, just things that don't seem to be working. Like, this is a team that I thought could have gone to the Stanley Cup final last year. They didn't make the playoffs. And now again... Just something seems to not be working. Giroux is 33. He's a UFA at the end of the year. If they were to move on from him, now would probably be the time, right? Yeah, it's this is the time to trade a Claude Giroux. I mean, he's still got enough in the tank at 33. He's still technically in his prime, albeit the tail end of it. We will start to see the drop-off over the next couple of years. But uh, a lot of teams would be interested in a Claude Giroux. What's he making, like eight, eight mil? So if you pick that up at the deadline. He is on 8275. Okay. Is that eight two seven five? You cut out in a second. Oh yeah, eight two seven five. So yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I could see a lot of teams willing to take a chance. And well, I mean, we don't need to be taking a chance. You just get Claude Giroux as a rental. Like holy shit! <laughs> Hell yeah! Are you kidding me? It's Giroux a center. leads the team in points, yeah. twenty three points in twenty six games with ten goals, thirteen assists. Mm. That's that's the pro- prototypical what you want from a centerman. Good hybrid production of goals and assists. The guy can win some face-offs. He's obviously, you know, pretty good leader. Probably good guy in the locker room, or at least neutral. Won't wreck things. Uh, yeah, get get close through if you're a contender, hundred percent. And for the Arizona Coyotes, Sin, you missed the story as well about whether or not they had paid oh, and no, how I, much I, they I owed and where they going to get locked out. <laughs> and like Gary Bettman is still defensive as ever. Um, 
in, in saying that it's going to work with the Coyotes, but Katie Strang, who continues to follow the story, um, posted this tweet. Reached out to the City of Glendale manager Kevin Phelps for comment on Gary Bettman's comments that Glendale has an agenda in dealing with the Coyotes. Phelps' response. (laughs) If Mr. Bettman and others want to believe that not filing 17 monthly tax returns was due to human error, then so be it. That's just the epic, the most epic response to Gary Bettman being a piece of shit. And once again, shout out to uh, the likes of Katie Strang for being an actual journalist. Thank you very much. We definitely appreciate your tenacity and your work to not, you know, be a yes man for a very, very broken league. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think the story in hockey, one of the biggest news stories of this year has been the reporting work by Rick Westhead, Katie Strang, mm-hmm. and reporters just saying, hey, look, we're not, we're not going to bullshit. Like, this is the story we're going to talk about it period it's been great um the columbus blue jackets beat the seattle kraken 5-4 in overtime max domi two goals up to six on the year uh for seattle jared mccann scored his 11th leafs legend jared mccann but word was and this was uh from cbj coverage on twitter Jonas corpusalo has been informed by the finnish government that he will be likely or that he will likely have to complete his required military service starting April 11th. Minimum time spent for service is 165 days, which is about five and a half months. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised that he hadn't already served. Um, you know, I'm, I'm well aware, again, from the, you know, I, I imagine all of us are, you know, the, the hockey community and how easy it is, of course, to, you know, have a bunch of fins uh, in the community. And obviously for Sin and I, we, we do esports commentary for a good amount of fins. Um, and literally, like, even the esports side of things is affected by the mandatory military service. We've seen it. So Jonas Corp- uh, Hollow at 27, uh, this is just before his 28th birthday that he'd have to, uh, you know, that he'd have to, go take care of this. I'm kind of surprised. And if the Blue Jackets make the playoffs, yeah. uh, it'll be Elvis Merzlikens uh, unless they, you know, get some sort of an extension. I'm not sure how that works. But, yeah, um, very, very surprised by this news that uh, someone at 27 that's been in the NHL for as long as he has hasn't uh, hit that requirement yet. Yeah, it's kind of nuts, like, when you hear about this kind of stuff. It just uh, sort of, you know, it, but it, when you think of it, that's not that much time, like five and a half, at least at my age now, I'm like, ah, five and a half months, I could, I could go do that. I wouldn't want to do it um, for the U.S. military, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. For, for the Finnish military, 100%, dude, that, that sounds like a blast, fucking run around in the snow, pro- I don't know, I, you know, my ignorance showing a bit, but yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it, um, I, I've been, you know, it happens a lot, it touches a lot of different areas, esports especially, also, I, I used to follow um, StarCraft 2 in its heyday quite a lot. And a lot of uh, South Korea, which is where the mm-hmm. where it's a fucking it's a literally like the national sport of South Korea, StarCraft. Um, yeah. They yeah. they have mandatory military service as well. And some of my favorite players, you know, took had to take time off to do it. And I think the, around the age of 25, 26 is the same. Like you have to get it done around that time too. like that's your last chance. And I remember my my favorite uh, my favorite uh, esport dude, Polt took uh you know like a year like took after he won a bunch of championships went and you know disappeared did his uh military service and whatnot but yeah as i kind of crazy that corpusalo has not done it yet i'm kind of blown away 
The Boston Bruins beat the Calgary Flames 4-2 on Saturday. Connor Clifton's first of the year. Marshawn's 11th. McAvoy's fourth. Curtis Lazar, his second. Matthew Kachuk at his 12th of the year for the Flames. But it's not so much that particular game I want to talk about. You know, the Bruins are 14-8-2. They're doing pretty well. It's obvious that something's got to happen, you would think. So I'm just kind of waiting. Which brings us to the tweet from Hockey Hound. Scouting report. There are six NHL teams scouting Evander Kane's first game in the AHL. I think, Sin, you mentioned he has a goal in the AHL already. Yeah. Or a point or something game. like that. Because he was holding up a puck and had the whole team around the, him. That's a joke, I guess. The six teams that were apparently in attendance. The Pittsburgh Penguins. And in talking about the Penguins... Um, let, let's, let's take a look here at their team. I, I want to go team by team. Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, right now, they have about $7 million in cap space. Certainly, Evander Kane at half salary would work. And you would talk about pushing, like, Evan Rodriguez or Danton Heinen down to the third line. Like, it would, it's a fit. Mm-hmm. It's a fit for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Can't deny that. The Detroit Red Wings... Doesn't seem like as good of a fit. I don't understand Like, if you go to Pittsburgh, there is the culture instilled of Crosby and Malkin and Evander Kane. Granted, you could say, well, in Winnipeg, he didn't sit down and shut the hell up, even when Dustin Bufflin threw a, you know, tracksuit in the shower. But in Pittsburgh, I mean, come on. Like, you try to play superstar when you're playing behind Sidney Crosby, you're done. Like, it's just not going to happen. But for Detroit... Such a young team, it's kind of like the same. It's it's like the same thing as the Sharks, except they don't even have your your Logan Couture's or your Burns or your Carlson's yeah. to try to keep that in check, and they couldn't. I feel like coincidentally, uh, the Wings were just there for something else. I'm sure Iserman has his eyes on someone else, like, so <laughs> and just trying yeah, to probably right. fucking fleece us for something for some goddamn gem that we have in the system. Don't do it, Dougie. Um, but yeah, uh, so that one I don't understand. I really, I, I don't, I feel like that might have just been coincidence because I, I, I really don't understand why they'd pursue an Evander Kane. It just makes zero sense. I mean, again, unless Iserman has that attitude of I can fix him, but fucking I'm fine. If Iserman wants to make his first bad move as a GM, I would be more than grateful. I mean, I will say, like, the idea of, like, Evander Kane, Tyler Bertuzzi being on the same team and being a difficult team to play against and having them insulate the skill on the team, in theory it works. But, I mean, hey, maybe it does make sense. They have Tyler Bertuzzi on the team. Um, hey, talk he was quoted today as saying, like, I had a COVID together. diagnosis. I'm still not going to get the vaccine. You live your life, Tyler. You do yeah. what you're going to do. Um, so who knows? Maybe it's not a totally out-of-nowhere thing. Nashville is on this list. Yeah, well, he could be. A, I he mean, could be a predator. He sure could be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, I mean, fucking it's Wario laugh that killed me. Wario. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually yeah. Everyone thinks it's a W, but it's actually an upside down M. You know how we know that? Does he put it the Wombo? No, you just look at Waluigi. He has an upside down. Nashville L. could work. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Nashville could work again. Like I, it's weird that like this would almost be in the conversation of them buying, 
and I don't know if that's what the Preds necessarily want to do. I mean, but there's no denying Evander Kane would help. They're surprisingly doing good. They're 16, 10, and one, which is just surprising to me for the Nashville Predators. I always kind of considered them really look on the outside looking in, but not so much. There is the Dallas Stars. Lol. Kane for Pavelski, the- one for one. Let's go. Right? (laughs) There's no denying uh, Pavelski, leading scorer on the uh, Dallas Stars, by the way. There's no denying that, again, Dallas, they're a team that could use someone of Evander Kane's talents and skill level. I mean, right now, it might be because of scratches and injuries, and indeed I think it is, but Cap Friendly right now has uh, Michael Roffel listed as their second-line right wing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Dallas could use a bit more offensive firepower and he provides that i see that as a fit and then we get to uh the toronto maple leafs the toronto maple leafs who somehow actually have cap space right now it's kind of crazy but it's because marner's on ir i believe yeah I don't know what move they would make i mean you'd have to see somebody like a justin hall it, that two million of Justin Hall would have to go back. Maybe even they'd try to send Peter Morazic to the Sharks and boost it up with picks and prospects. I I don't see how this works. I really don't. I mean, they'd have to shuffle quite a few deck chairs moving forward. Like Alex Kerfoot, I think, would be a dead even match for Cap. Kerfoot has sixteen points in twenty nine no you know, twenty nine games and doesn't, you know, factor in the same risk. It could happen. It'd be a good fit in terms of on ice. Again, the the physicality that they have in their lineup, surround that with the you know the skill that they have. It'd be a horrible move for the Leafs. Just consider the attitude that Kane brings in, and put it with the uh, the young ego inflated superstar mentality that it seems Marner and Matthews have sort of developed with how much the media has hyped them up, and bring Kane into that sort of limelight and put him into the spot like like that. I. Oh boy, if you do it, Toronto. If you do it. Just please don't. And then we talked about Pittsburgh. We talked about Detroit, Nashville, Toronto, and Dallas. The sixth team, the Boston Bruins. And I have said this from the moment we read the breaking mm-hmm. news on this podcast about the Jake DeBrusque trade, as much as I want Tomas Hurdle, I am telling you, and I am mentally prepared, and you can join me in being mentally prepared, or you can be one of the shocked people when it happens. There will be a trade. Jake DeBrusque going to San Jose, Evander Kane coming to Boston, other pieces probably involved. It's going to happen. That's all I can say. I know it in my heart, in my soul. <laughs> Vander Kane's going to be a Boston Bruin. It makes the most sense for their lineup and what they're missing. It makes the most sense in terms of their aspirations. They're going to go for it. Like this is in terms of his play style. Like super. Like he's essentially Milan Lucic at his prime, at his peak. Mm-hmm. Physical as hell, can score goals. That is Evander Kane. He's going to tell you he'll he kill you in the handshake line. <laughs> I don't. I don't know his threatening policy when it comes to handshake lines. I don't know how many handshake lines Evander Kane's been a part of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just, but he, it's going to happen if he does it. Don't he's worry. He's going to be a Bruins. It's just for a photo shoot. 
it's good. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, Evander it, it Kane is happen. going to be a Boston Bruin, and, and, and honestly, that makes the most sense. Like it really does for everything involved. It does make the most sense, and the Caps lineup. I just kind of wonder what else would be involved in that trade. Like if we're retaining fifty percent for multiple years, as bad as we want to get him out, like a team like Boston almost seems like they would want him. And they they also at this point need to get DeBrusque out, so I feel like Sharks should look for extra compensation in that in the way of picks. Um, who knows if they'll actually get it? But again, if you're eating three and a half million for the next three fucking years, you better not not get anything. Like I just I don't know. I, I, I'm, this is such a shit situation for the Sharks. I mean, if I'm a Sharks fan, legit, I am not. Uh, you could call it bias. If I hear Evander Kane half salary for Jake DeBrusque straight up, I still take it. Get Evander Kane the hell out of there. Yeah. He is beyond a negative value asset to that team. And Jake DeBrusque, I think, in that top six is a pretty damn good fit. Yeah, for I mean, the Sharks. you are right at the same in the same light. I mean, we are getting a player who's not on the roster for a player who would be on the roster. So, yeah, it's still it still is sort of a positive mood in that way. But yeah, it just it just sucks. I mean, looking with the, looking at the Sharks' top six, like what are they missing right now? A top six winger that was supposed to be Evander Kane. Yeah. The second line on cap friendly is listed as Meyer Hurdle Barabanov. Barabanov has 15 points in 23 games, yeah, by the he's way. He's not too Sharks. bad. Like, he's solid. He's just. Yeah, he benefited a lot more playing with higher skill, which when he hilariously playing with Evander Kane. Uh, <laughs> and then their first line is Noah Gregor, Logan Couture, Jonathan Dolan. You sub out Gregor for yeah. Jake DeBrusque and put Jake DeBrusque into the best spot he'll ever be in in his NHL career so far in terms of the line and importance, and I think he'll thrive. Yeah. It's going to happen. I am mentally prepared for it. Also on Saturday, the Carolina Hurricanes beat the Edmonton Oilers 3-1. to Two-goal game for Ajo. He's up to 15 on the year. Elliot Friedman mentioned at the first intermission of this game that the Oilers have three targets in the trade market, a goalie, a third-line center, and a left-handed defender mentions Ken Holling wanting to show uh, Ken Holland wanting to show McDavid and Dreisaitl that they're willing to go all in. I would hope so. I would hope you were you would show the two best players in the NHL right now that you intend on helping them win a cup instead of playing uh God, there was the practice line today of like Cassian was with like McDavid or some shit like that. Stop like just this. like fuck. It's not his I don't know if they're actually going to run it, but. but... So, yeah, I mean, right now you talk about their third-line center. Um, I guess it shows, like, Derek Ryan, I think, was supposed to be that. He has one point in 23 games. Uh, And they're currently playing Ryan McLeod there, who's 22, who has three points in 18. So it's obvious they need a bit, you know, a bit to be, you know, bolstered up in that bottom six. Left-side defenseman. I mean, right now, their left-hand side is Nurse, Niemalainen, and Lagesson because of injuries. Uh, Philip Berberg has played eight games. He's a left-handed defenseman uh, because they have injuries to Russell, Keith, Cuckoo, and, of course, Oscar Kleffbaum is out. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I could see the left-side defenseman. And then goalie-wise, uh, I mean, Mike Smith, I, I think, still only played three games this year. You have Koskinen at a 907 and Stuart Skinner at a 918. Is Mike so Smith injured? Or? Yes. Okay. Good. So undisclosed uh, undisc- lower play. body injury. Not that he's not that he's injured. Not good at these injuries. Just making sure that he wasn't just getting sat after they signed him to like a two year extension at age 39. What? Ugh. 
Yeah. Anyway, so um, you know uh, the the other two I can see the goalie thing. I don't really see how they'd sort that out, but yeah, I would hope that the Oilers would be intent on showing their stars that they want to win. That's a bold strategy after you know Connor McDavid's already played six goddamn years or whatever it's been. Good idea. Ridiculous. The L.A. Kings beat the Minnesota Wild two to one. Philip Deneau scoring for the Kings. And Brendan Lemieux's fifth of the year being the game winner. And as he skates back to the bench, he goes, uh, you know, past Minnesota's and gets sprayed with water by the bench from Marcus Foligno, who also coincidentally scored his 12th of the uh, season there. Now, Marcus Foligno had this to say. Quote, it's just him being him. Scores one goal and comes by our bench and thinks he's Sidney Crosby out there. That stuff bothers you. It sucks it's so late in the game. You'd like to see a response, but he's really not out there anymore. So it's just one of those things where it's just you got to forget about that guy. He's an agitator and not a very good one. My response. He, he won. Yeah. Marcus, uh, Brendan Lemieux won yeah. in this instance. Like Marcus Foligno having to explain this stuff and saying he's not a good agitator. Marcus, I think you're a great player. He got under your skin. Yeah, clearly. He did. You don't score at water at him and then have to explain it afterwards and say he's not a good agitator. Yeah, I mean, he just went from being a piece of shit villain to, like, good at his job once again, all because Marcus Foligno got tilted. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. It's exactly as I view it, you know? We, we go from talking about Brendan Lemieux and the biting incident and how the hell do you only get this few games as you did... So yeah, now there's there's more to discuss there, unfortunately, about uh, his role in the game, yep. which is unfortunate. In the final game on Saturday, the San Jose Sharks beat the Dallas Stars 2-1, Hurdle's 14th of the year, Eric Carlson's 8th. But the talking point out of this has been Dallas Stars, uh, the Dallas Stars goaltending situation. Uh, first and foremost, today it was announced that Anton Hadobin has been placed on waivers. Of course, he was very instrumental in them getting to the cup final not all that long ago, but we talked about it when Sim wasn't here. Hadobin's played seven games this year. He has a 3-7-4 GAA, which, yes, is more of a team stat, but still, he also has the 873 save percentage. And he got signed to, like, three mil or something like that? Straight threes, so (sighs) 3.33... And that deal ends after next season. Oof. He's got one more year after this. Pretty rough. The Stars have just they <laughs> Stars kind of did what the Habs did, just in a slower with a slower decline afterwards of after making the cup. Apparently Tampa is just a team killer. And if you make the cut if you make the cup finals against them, they'd fucking put a Danhausen curse on you. And <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. I like the reference. I love Danhausen. Um, I don't even like wrestling and I loved that man. There you go. That's the appeal. On top of that, Ben Bishop. We talked about him on the show last week about, oh man, he's coming, you know, he's coming back, and we're gonna see what's there. His first conditioning stint with the Texas Stars, he allowed eight goals on 35 shots. And they pulled the plug. This hurts to talk about, honestly. Whether it was a, a mutual decision or one side or the other. Uh, ben Bishop's essentially back on IR, and it's been openly acknowledged by GM Jim Nill that he's done. 
That Ben Bishop is done. Feel bad. I and he was a good goaltender. Yep. Yeah. Oh, dude, at his peak, he was so, so good. Um, I've read off some goalie stat lines today. Um, let me remind you of some of ben, like literally as, as recent as his last two seasons in Dallas. Or here he played three seasons in Dallas, right? Seventeen, eighteen. He had a nine sixteen save percentage. The next year, a nine thirty four with a sub 2.0 GAA in 46 games. And then his last full year in Dallas, he had a 920 save percentage in 44 games, but then got hurt heading into the playoffs and only played three games in that playoff run. It was Tadobin that was there to save them. Ben Bishop at his peak, at his best, top three goalie bare minimum, uh, I would say almost at, at pretty much any point. Like, you know, Ben Bishop sitting there putting up great numbers... You know, while guys like Carey Price and Henrik Lundqvist are doing it. Yeah. Like, Ben Bishop, at any point in time, when, again, you look at his best seasons, he was in the conversation for the Vezina at any given time when there was a lot of direct competition there. It absolutely sucks that at just, if I am not mistaken, well, I want to say 30, I was going to say like 30, he is 35. Okay. But... It just kind of sucks to see it end like this, where yeah. you thought, oh, maybe that conditioning stint, maybe, just maybe, there's still a bit of gas in the tank, and they pulled a plug after just one test drive. I mean, something had to go wrong. I, I, it's like, for him to allow those eight goals, too, like, something had to be off. And, like, yeah, it's it's just a heartbreaking story, because, like you said, you want someone to get back there. You root for these guys. Like, they're... And with how much work and, you know, his... It just... It sucks. And I'm, I feel really bad, but... Yeah. Yeah, I mean when we we did talk about it last week, um well Sim wasn't here, but we talked about it and how that team he was playing with in Texas was not that great. The bottom of the barrel, and they're going up against a team who's like top of that division. Uh that obviously didn't help. Uh, another thing too is when you go down to the AHL for the first time in almost a decade and you go eight you go at eight forty uh GAA with like seven six five save percentage, that ultimately kills your confidence and then having to go back on LTIR because of your knee injury and essentially have you retired. If I was in that situation, I would just call it quits. I, that's personally, cause that just, that just kills any form of confidence or level or, or any sort of drive to get back to the level that you used to be at. It, it's gone. It's un- unfortunately as it is, it, it's, it's not there anymore. Yeah, and, I really wish we could hear from him in this situation. Yeah, I don't think he wants to talk about anything about that. He's probably still affected by it. Yeah, I mean, eventually he should. He'll probably release a statement. That, that's that's who I really want to hear from. Like, was it his decision? Is he, you know, whatever? I don't know. What's his future yeah. about? For Dallas, they're okay in terms of goaltending situation. Um, without Bishop, without Hadobin, uh, Braden Holpe has bounced back in a big time way. He has a nine twenty three in fourteen games. And then the guy who's known to be the heir apparent at just 22 years old, seven games, a 9.51 for Jake Ottinger. They're going to be okay yep. yeah. when it comes to this goalie situation. They're going to be just fine. So um, if that's the one bright spot there for Dallas. We'll move on to Sunday. A couple more games to talk about here before we wrap things up. The Anaheim Ducks beat the St. Louis Blues 3-2 in overtime. Troy Terry 16th and 17th on the year, including the OT winner with that 17th. Uh, and Nathan Walker scored his fourth of the year because Nathan Walker is just, he's ready to make the most of this opportunity and it's awesome. And Troy Terry 
uh, would be on that U.S. Olympic team, I would hope, if they actually go. The Preds beat the Rangers one to nothing. UC Soros with a shutout because UC Soros is great. There's been a lot uh, of one nothing games. I feel like that we've talked about. I was this hoping season. you'd pick up on that. Like it's it it's weird. There's been a lot of two one and one nothing, and then but then also at the same time, there's been a lot of well, the Avalanche scoring seven goals. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, Phil Tomasino scored his fifth of the year there. Again, someone else who's in the running to try and not have it be a clean sweep of Red Wings for Calder finalists this year. The Avalanche beat the Panthers 3-2. Andre Burakovsky's first career hat trick, up to 12 goals on the year now. Of course, he had two goals in the last Avs game that I mentioned, so he's been on fire. There was another controversial hit, in a sense, as Ryan Lomberg um, put Jacob McDonald uh, you know, flat onto his back. It was, it was rough. I, I don't remember exactly. I think McDonald was um, uh, stretchered out, yeah, if I'm not was. mistaken, or at the very least, you could tell he was out. And it's just, th- we had the Truba hits last week that Sin didn't get to discuss. This Lomberg hit to me, I got to be honest, uh, the replays I saw, there looked to be even less head contact than what we had seen with the Truba hits. Regardless, this goes to my point that we made in the in the Tortorella conversation of people like that act as if there's no major hits and that this shit isn't happening. But I don't know what's going on recently, but it's very evident. Obviously, again, the speed of the game. I I, I don't know what to make of this hit. You know, I looked at it and I, I viewed it as a clean hit with a pretty unfortunate result. Yeah. Um, like I said, I just haven't seen the replay if there was a, a ton of head contact, but again, just a really unfortunate result of this one. Here's the thing. There doesn't have to be head contact for concussions to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. and the fact the is, of it. yeah, it's, it's the game is getting so fast. Not only that, the equipment is so good that you probably don't really feel much when you run into someone with all your gear on. Back, back in the day, the good old days that all these guys like to talk about, your pads weren't as good. You felt if you couldn't go full speed into someone flying around the ice and like, or you just didn't want to because, you know, it. the game was, it's the speed and the equipment being as good as they are, make those hits what they, as dangerous as they are. And we're, they're, they're so, if you look at just the speed of the game, like seriously, go watch it, go watch a, go watch a full game from even the mid 2000s. And then watch one from the 90s. It's the pacing is so different. I was watching this, you know, bit of a video when the when the Blues scored like five unanswered goals against I think it was Toronto, actually, and with Cujo in net, and they came back from like a oh deficit. My God, yeah. The it was so slow the way they were playing. Like slow, methodical, and like, okay, so picture that with some of those bigger hits. It won't be as impactful. But yeah, it's if the game was played at that speed with those sort of no head contact hits, less concussions. But the fact of the matter is it's so fast with the equipment being what it is. You're basically a fucking flying missile out there. And when you go into someone full speed as they're skating toward you, the kinetic force that knocks that head back and causes the, the brain to rattle in the skull. It doesn't matter if it's like mm-hmm. a clean hit. You can still get concussed by it. Like, yeah, keep your head up. What like? But at the same time, yeah. like... Also, maybe we got to reevaluate a little bit of something if we want to actually protect the players. And yeah, whatever, you know, criticize me all you want, call me soft all you want, but I, I tend to think uh, brain trauma is bad. So obviously a massive conversation that can be had, but 
Yeah, uh, and after the game, too, after the final horn, it got pretty chippy. The Panthers seemed to feud with everyone in terms of, like, the physicality and the us-against-the-world mentality. Mm. We've seen it against the likes of Tampa. Like, they're a, a pretty physical team. I don't know if it was directly in response to that uh, incident there. In the final two games, the Golden Knights beat the Minnesota Wild 6-4. to four. Uh, Pacioretty's 10th of the year. Zach Whitecloud with two goals. He's up to five. Uh, and Marcus Foligno, in response to the Brendan Lemieux thing, scored his 13th of the year. And that brings us to the main event of this show. The Vancouver Canucks beat the Carolina Hurricanes 2-1 on Sunday night. Bruce Boudreaux becomes the first head coach in Canucks history to win his first four games with the team. Sin, your thoughts. That's a hilarious stat in its own. Uh, and a kind of funny for the Canucks, um, considering some of the teams they've had. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, Canucks, just be grateful you probably won't make the playoffs uh, this year. Enjoy Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux for what he is, which is a regular season coach. And the second you start to make the playoffs, you're not going to like Bruce Boudreaux anymore. So enjoy it. Hopefully he helps turn the team around, get them out of the whatever freaking slump they're in. But just be ready to move on from him in three years, two, three years, when you're ready to maybe actually be a contender. Uh, <laughs> that's the weird thing about Bruce Boudreaux. He is such a good regular season coach. His teams always do good in the regular season, and then he falls flat in the playoffs like clockwork. I'm intrigued to see uh, what happens with Bruce because the last show I, I said I wouldn't be surprised if the Canucks were to fight their way back into a, a playoff situation. It's uh, to what Sin's saying. Like that's that's what they do. Mm-hmm. That's just what they do. And in terms of um, of his his coaching numbers here, I'm trying to see if I can get the the records. I can't seem to find them. But just the idea of how successful he he typically is in the regular season. I mean, again, I think it's summed up very well by the fact that you had the uh, John Cooper stat, and who did John Cooper just pass to make that happen? It is Bruce Boudreaux. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens there for the Canucks. But, gentlemen, that's going to bring us to the end of this particular show. We had a lot to catch up on. Sin, it was good to have you back. Yeah. Endo, it was great to have your pizza stories. Yeah. I need more pizza. <laughs> this is a fun one. <laughs> oh, God. Endo, tell the beautiful people where they can find you. Uh, hi, I'm Endo. Uh, I like long walks on the beach. And you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Endo Mills, and that's where I'll be. Sin, now that you're back, mm-hmm. again, it was great to have you back. We missed you. Tell the people where they can find you. You can find me on YouTube at SinFTW Productions and on Twitter at SinFTW Prod, P R O D, where I have good takes. <laughs> and only good <laughs> And takes. don't stream EASHL anymore. No, I don't, uh, yeah, fucking. And it's sucked the yeah. I, I, just, I don't even. I don't. I don't play NHL aside from recording. So take that for what you will. As a guy who loves hockey, yeah, I stopped streaming it entirely. I just, I can. I'll play with other guys, but I just. I don't know. There's there's something to playing it when you're streaming versus playing when you're not streaming, and it's just more fun from what I've seen. Just more enjoyable. I guess I've seen like my. I just don't really think about some stuff, and if something happens in the game and it breaks, I just. I say, fuck it, whatever, it's a video game. It's a shame that Sin wasn't here for more of our NHL 
22 talk. We'll get oh into God, it more yeah. as they continue to put out tuners that break things and have to hot fix it. You can find me everywhere at Tukey24. Uh, officially, it, it was announced as well on my Discord and on Twitter. Keep an eye out this Saturday. Full details coming later this week, but twitch.tv slash Tukey24. I will be running a charity stream. The Hunt for Rumble is back for like its fourth or fifth year. We'll be raising money for the American Cancer Society this time out. So again, keep it out on my Twitter and Instagram as well. YouTube, I'll have all the information out there as much as you can need it. We're going to hopefully raise a lot of money. There's going to be some great prizes involved as well. Some interesting milestones. I have had it proposed to put my eyebrows or all of my hair on the line. Uh, we'll see what happens with that one. I've also had it proposed to have Sin put his beard on the line, but I don't think I can get him to agree to that. <laughs> but I will try. Uh, <laughs> well, the look on your face right now. I, is, why, why am I getting dragged into this stuff? I don't right know. Uh, people. No one mentioned me. No one mentioned me. Does like, not have my content. Because he can't grow beard, Linda. I meant my hair. My beautiful, like oh, my oh. flowy hair, which is oh, tied up right God. now because uh, I ordered my shampoo and it's two days late. Gotta love it. There we go. So follow me everywhere at Tookie24. We'll see you guys later on this week. We'll see you Thursday. Again, more information will be uh, out by that time. We'll see you all later. Have a wonderful portion of your week. We can't say the rest of your week because we'll see you before the end. Go go eat some pizza and drink some Coors Lights. <laughs> the endo diet. Hey. It's not nice. <laughs> <laughs>